Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined today by the godfather of NFL draft analyst, Mike Dettelier. You can hear him as a college and pro football analyst at WWL 8M870 out of New Orleans, and he is the editor and publisher of Mike Dettelier's NFL Draft Report. Mike, many other irons in the fire for you, man. I know you're involved in a lot of things. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always got time for you, man. I appreciate it. I put off the board meetings for you. You know, that's what I tell Abraham. I got to put off the, come on, you ask me, I got got to do it. I got to do it. You know, you have you got to be the best friend that I've never met. One day, one day there's going to be a fist bump or something. We'll be in the same place one day, and, and I look forward to that. Hey, folks, before we get too deep here, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Registration for summer day camp continues online at OxfordParkCommission.com or by visiting Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp serves ages 5 to 13, cost is $300 per camper. Per session, sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30, 7.30 to 5.30 each day. Games, arts and crafts, swimming and outdoor activities, field trips, so much more that campers take part in daily. And OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool for the summer. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at J-A-M-I-E at OxfordParkCommission.com if you have questions or just apply online at OxfordMS.net. Mike, is, is your lifeguard certification current? Okay, could, could, you, uh, could you jump in there at OPC? Yeah, I think I could. Uh, one thing for sure, and Coach O and I were talking about this the other day, you know, growing up as kids, we we swim in that bayou, Bayou Lafouche, and I ain't getting in there no more. They got a they got some critters in there that I ain't tangling with. No, you know, growing up, I maybe saw three, maybe four alligators in my life in those bayous. Today, I can see three or four if I put one foot in the water. They are all over the place. They have won the food chain. Believe me, and I ain't getting in that water. I used to go ski a lot, and um, I'll put it to you this way: I, I wouldn't be skiing anymore in that bayou. Not, not with them craters there, man. They, they're some bad to the bone cats. Well, I'm gonna tell you, the days are different because I see the alligator now in the Tickfall River in Saint Helena Parish on my yeah. dad's property up there, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, that's I'm thinking, man, that's the old swimming hole. That's that's the big rope swing that I used to use and, and jump out into the middle. And, you know, you just can't do that anymore. So interesting uh, time. And, and the big ones, the big ones are one thing. It's the little ones because they got no fear because <laughs> the big ones, I think, are almost as a scared of you or you are of them. But the little ones got no fear they, and they'll come after you. Uh, we went fishing one time and I'm not a big fisherman, but um my neighbor is. So he's always on me about, come on, Mike, let's go fishing. That morning I wake up and uh, I live, okay, right next to me is a pasture land and they got about 450 Angus cattle. 
in the in the cattle. But there's man, it's a whole bunch of trees. So now we infiltrated with uh, bald eagles, and, and I mean, so and they circling, and it's it's unbelievable to see them um, there. And so it's like wild kingdom where I live. I see the coyotes, the bobcats, the bald eagles, uh, this sort of thing. We go fishing. And, and I throw my fishing line out, and as I throw it, there's a little alligator. He come out of the water and took a snap at, at the, you know, at the bait. Well, he, he got no fear, none. Now, a big one would have never done it. Yeah. But a small one, he, you know, he everything is food for him. And so uh, I, I got to laugh because I saw yesterday they had a lot of rain in East New Orleans and everything else. And they had, I would say like a seven, seven and a half foot alligator walking around. I know one thing parents where I grew up, Bobby Bear, Cocho, um, my neighbor for many years who became a horse jockey, Shane Sellers, where we grew up, man, somebody would have spotted that alligator. He's, he don't take no more than four steps. And then he's down for the count and he's in a pot that afternoon cooking somewhere. Now, that's a New Orleans thing that, you know, an alligator loose on the streets because all I know is on the bayou, that alligator, he got no shot. And I tell the story, I, I was still engineering back then, and I'm on the highway, Highway 308, and all of a sudden, this six-and-a-half, seven-foot alligator, he decides he's going to cross the road. And they got oncoming traffic, so I can't swerve that way and I run right over the top of it I was a little concerned because I heard him that his tail hit the front of my truck at that time and it didn't do any damage but I've heard the stories they'll swipe that tail underneath your your vehicle and they can put some heavy duty damage I didn't get hurt or anything and well the alligator he's DOA but man it almost caused like a three-car collision the cars behind me, they were all jumping out of the car. Are you okay? Listen, can I have the alligator? I mean, <laughs> within seconds, this guy, he had picked that alligator up and dragged it. And he's like, hey, give me a hand. So I picked up the tail. We threw him in the back of the truck and he was gone with it. And so, no, that's Bayou living. And I suspect that that alligator was cooking in some sauce pecan or some, uh, you know, he was grilling it that afternoon. That happened in New Orleans. And they want to save this alligator, not realizing that, man, that, that alligator can do some damage in a residential area. Man, Major damage in a residential area, especially for a kid who doesn't know any better, you know, and they equate you with food, you know. And, and a lot of people, they feed the alligator. Man, I ain't feeding no alligator, you know, because then he <laughs> equates it that you become part of the food chain. So, yeah. uh that's the biggest change for me in living here. And Bobby and I and Coach Obal talking about it. Growing up, we never saw alligators a lot or bald eagles. And now today, it is unbelievable where I live to see the bald eagles right to basically would be my right um, if they circle. And it's like a big 747 when they in the air. Well, when, when, when the alligator is crossing the road with the deer, who crosses the road first? Because we get all the deer in Mississippi. I, I haven't run over an alligator, but I've hit a couple of deer. Well, that deer is much quicker. Uh, now, I have heard here 
uh, I've had a friend of mine that actually he's going down the highway and the deer tries to hurdle the, the car and ends up in his lap because, you know, he can't clear it. Uh, and he ends up breaking the glass and he's in the front seat with you. Uh, less and less wetlands down here where I live. And now they, they're all over uh, the deer. And so, mm. uh, but, the, but an alligator, you know, he's quick in a small area, but you know, um, he's, he's not super fast. He's that, not fast. Yeah. That, that deer's got a shot to actually cross that road. That alligator over here, I'm not sure some of the motorists aren't aiming for the alligator <laughs> in route, so to speak. Well, I, I tell you what, Mike, when we finish here, I might offer this clip up to WWL for that uh, Saturday morning outdoor show. That was good stuff, man. No, Don, no, Don and I talked about this, Don Dubuque, because he was like, Mike, where you live at now, and because I, I don't live in the city. A lot of people think I live in New Orleans, but I still live about 45 minutes away. I still live on the bayou. I live right across, man, my grandpa, God bless him. But he would drop it knowing the fact that I live on Highway 1 and on Highway 308 is Latour Golf Course. David Toms built a golf course there. Um, and so that used to be nothing but sugar cane, you know, all, all that sort of thing. And so, man, my old, my old grandpa, who was a sugar cane farmer, he would drop knowing that they got a golf course there yeah. now today. Uh, and uh, so... But it is sort of the wild, wild west. Uh, and, man, if it's coyotes, bobcats, bald eagles, alligators, you see them. We even had a manatee. Well, it was two of them within the last six years. He gets lost in the bayou. And he just – and, you know, you would think the Mississippi River runs north to south. But if you don't have a front pass through, it actually runs south to north. The manatee, he just goes along his way. And he was happy as a clam, you know, in Bayou Lafourche, swimming around. And uh, man, people on the highway, you know, they, they bought a road, you know, hollering at him, throwing him food. And I ain't leaving. You feed me. I'm not going anywhere. No, I, I guarantee you. Hey, let's talk football a little bit. I, I do want to eventually get around to Elijah Moore in the draft. But we were talking off camera first. Tell me, you tell me now that at Newman High School in New Orleans, which has produced a lot of Mannings, yep. I, I know people uh, want to hear about Arch, and I want to ask you about Arch, but there is a Manning right now playing center, playing offensive line, the first Manning offensive lineman. Tell us a little bit about him. See, I didn't know that until uh, I'm involved with the Louisiana line camp, and it's the biggest line camp in America, Pete Jenkins. Uh, who you familiar with, old Papa Pete, still doing it, 79 years old. Uh, he has the camp here, and we have Henry Thomas and Kevin Mawai, a lot of former uh, LSU players, NFL players come in here and coach high school players, linemen. And so we're getting in, and my first thing that caught my eye was Ben Bordelon, and people who aren't familiar, Ben was a former All-SEC lineman at LSU, um, his mom was part owner of Bollinger Shipyard. Uh, he has a home across the bayou for me, but actually because of his work situation lives uh, in New Orleans. And his son, Bo Bordelon, is the tackle, left tackle there. And he is a verbal commitment to LSU. 
And he's got a younger brother, Brett, who is going to be a sophomore and a really good offensive lineman. He's going to play left guard. The next day we get a certificate coming to camp, Hyde Manning. And it's named, I think, after his grandfather on the wife's side. And so I meet up with Arch, and he was like, yep, yeah, I got me a lineman, Mike. He's just a freshman. Uh, he said he's a little over six foot tall right now. He said, you know, he's kind of a stocky guy. And he said, man, he wants to go to the lineman's camp. He's heard a lot about it, but just a young – he said he's just a young puppy. Now, he said somewhere down the line, that growth spurt's going to hit him, you know, you know, because he's – he said he's a little over six foot tall right now, but he said eventually he's not going to stay six foot tall. He's, he's going to be a taller guy, but he said he's, he's my first lineman. He said he's real young, going to be a freshman. So he, he said, I think he's going to see some playing time at center and guard. And he said, I don't think he's going to be the starter this year uh, there, but he said, you know, he is going to see some playing time. So, uh, yep, we got a Manning that's going to play along the offensive line, and we'll see how big he gets in three to four years. And interesting that the two border law brothers and Hyde would be protecting Arch this year. <laughs> so, man, listen, if I'm Arch, I'm kissing up pretty good because they, they protect him my backside, the border law brothers. And, you know, if, if Hyde's playing center, you know, that's, that's you know, three-fifths of that offensive line at Newman. Well, hey, tell us about Arch. Where where is Arch in his recruitment right now? I mean, who who does he find interesting? Um, you know, and 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 hearing from both Cooper and Arch, Archie, uh, hmm. both have told me, you know, hey, listen, you know, Arch is like Mike. You know, one thing after what happened with Peyton, I'm not getting involved with none of this. Now, if he comes to Old Red and says, hey, Pop. Uh, kind of tell me, you know, a few things. And he said, you know, he's, he's good about discussing things, but I do know Texas and Steve Sarkeesian has put on a heavy press coverage um, on him. And I get it. You know, you see the success that Sark had at Alabama with the quarterbacks, uh, Clemson, uh, the relationship there, certainly with Dabo and the Mannings and the success too at Clemson, um, Notre Dame, has been a recent press. Uh, Notre Dame has been down here a lot. Um, everybody, you know, when I first read this, I just shook my head because people don't know history. Talking about that, you know, all his friends are going to LSU. And he, come on, Art, little Arch ain't going to LSU. Come on. <laughs> I, listen, I get it. I get Coach O and all recruiting him. But come on, little Arch isn't going to LSU. I'd be absolutely floored if that happens. So I'd eliminate that. Uh, Georgia certainly in the mix, Alabama. This is just me talking. I think it'll come down to Ole Miss, Clemson, Texas. And that, I think there'll be a fourth school. If it's Alabama, I would never rule out Alabama, uh, but Georgia has been a heavy recruit team here uh, also for him. So, I think it comes – but I really believe it comes down to those three, of Ole Miss, Clemson, and Texas gets itself involved. Now, he's a junior this coming season. Is that correct? Is he a, is he a, 
well, he'll be for the 2023 season. Yeah, so yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was thinking 2023. Okay, good. So we're, we're squared away there. Hey, let's talk draft a little bit. Uh, Elijah Moore going in the second round early to the Jets. I, I know Mike, a lot of uh, Ole Miss people who, uh, who, who look at the Jets and see, oh, wow, it's the Jets. They're not sure, a little uneasy maybe about what Elijah's getting into. I, I know there's a new sheriff in town right there. What, what's your take on the organization right now? Well, it couldn't <laughs> – they've been one of the worst-run organizations in pro football. Uh, think about it. You know, I was a kid, but I grew up and I watched – Joe Namath win Super Bowl three. Now I was a little kid, but I watched it with my dad and my older brother. Now I'm watching Joe do double ARP commercials. Yeah. Okay. That's the last time they won anything. So um, <laughs> I, this is a major rebuild uh, for the Jets. Uh, I think they have the right quarterback. Uh, last year with picking, you know, Beck did that left tackle and now, Elijah Barrett Tucker, who played left guard, they got some protection now for Zach Wilson. I think it's a great fit uh, because Zach is going to want that comfort guy and where Elijah fit in so well is in that slot and ability to do something and be creative after the catch. And we saw it a year ago. And it was funny, um, you know, Elijah didn't play against LSU, but uh, we do in the Monday night show and, you know, there had been some rumors that maybe Elijah might not play against LSU. And my thing is, I sure hope he don't, because he may break every receiving record Ole Miss has ever had in one game against that secondary that LSU had. And it ends up him and your boy didn't play in that game. So, um, man, he was tal he's talented. He's quick off the snap. He gets into that coverage part of the field real quickly. And once he makes the catch, then he becomes really dangerous because he, he's got the ability to make people miss in space. And also he can blow the top off of coverage. Uh, you know, he's fast enough to do that. So I think it's a good fit for him. I thought he'd go late in round one. I had him as my 29th best player. Man, I looked at it. Man, it may be the cornerbacks, uh, linebackers are off the board. Maybe the Saints would have an interest. I thought Green Bay is, was a team also that could have some interest there. Um, but, you know, falling into early in the second round, that really wasn't that far of a dip uh, right. for him. But, man, he's a heck of a player. And I think, it's, I think it's a good fit for him to be teamed up with Zach uh, in New York. And, man, if it works, is there a better place? You are, man, the spotlight is on you. I'm talking about not only as a player, but financially of what you can do. Mm -hmm. Good gracious. Uh, you, you put that. Now, again, it hasn't worked because management has been just so bad uh, in New York and uh, trying to piece these teams together. I, I don't know how good of a GM Joe, Joe Douglas is. I hear all these guys on national TV talk about how great he is. I, I, you know, so far, it's, it's a mixed bag for me. But I think it's a good fit for Elijah because now he's got a quarterback who's going to be protected well on the left side. And man, if it works there, the cash register will ring for him in a manner that very few cities can pay off in. 
Well, now at number 29, you had him rated there. Where, where did that put him among your wide receivers? What number wide receiver was he for you in the draft? Fifth. Fifth. Yeah. So that would have been the, the, the big three there with Jamar Chase and uh, uh, Smith and, and uh, Waddle. That seemed to be everybody's top three. Who was, who was your fourth there? Then Rashad Bateman and basically Terrace Marshall and him were dead heat. Yeah. And, and, I, and I knew to a certain extent with Terrace having covered him, Terrace was hurt every year. Go back to his senior year of high school in Shreveport, broke his, broke his leg. In a, in a bad break. Then he comes back as a freshman, gets hurt, hurt as a sophomore. Now, he was unbelievable last year at LSU before he opted out. He was big time, and he stayed healthy. But I knew that that would hurt him because you know why? You couldn't bring him in to get looked at. The doctors in the NFL could not lay their hands on him. And so you sort of had that feeling if any of those top receivers – from that four to six range, it would be terrorists because of the injuries that he could take that tumble. And you never know when the run's going to be on receivers. And we saw a little bit of it, but it didn't come as hard as I thought it would. So to last till that early pick in round two, it wasn't a real far drop for him. But again, um, I think for most teams, they want that big receiver, don't they? I mean, come on, you want right. that big guy. Uh, and, and that's where Bateman and Marshall had him beat a little bit because of the size factor. But to me, if you're a playmaker, I don't give a damn how big you are. I really don't care. Mm -hmm. And it was a great fit last year. You saw when Lane came in and changed that offense and what he was able to do and a focal point of getting the ball out in space, short, and letting that guy make something happen there, and getting the football to the tight end. You know, that, that was also another thing in bringing in your boy, a grad transfer, that he was able to make those plays over the middle. Um, and so it, it, it really – Kenny didn't get picked, but he had a lot of suitors for him as an undrafted free agent. Elijah Moore to come back after what happened in Mississippi State game. And they got a lot, listen, they got a lot of Ole Miss fans that don't want to admit it. Man, kick him off the team. <laughs> kick him off the team. Yeah. Under, come on. He was a young guy who made a mistake. You know, it was a, uh, you know, it was silly and a little immature. But come on. I make immature decisions now. You know, I'm 60 years old. So I get it. You know, I get it at that point. We, we all do, but I think the emotions of that moment and, and how it turned out to be because the extra point got mixed and missed and everything else. But, man, he really made the most of that year in seeing the growth of Matt Corral, and that offense certainly was, was tailor-made for him in what Lane was able to do. Well, you know, speaking of that offense and looking at the line, I – I thought Royce Newman would would probably end up going the free agent route. Obviously, Green Bay saw something there. Where, where did you have where did you have Royce projected? I had him as a late round pick, uh, sixth seventh round, and so uh, one he has he's got some versatility. Though I think he's a better inside player, uh, and the Packers like that. Uh, they feel as though, like I do, that we're becoming more of an inside pressure 
league in college and pros. I can't find the edge guys anymore, you know, and that's why I think teams take a chance on an edge player uh, who's got potential, which means he ain't done it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's not productive. He's potentially productive. Uh, and so you want those inside guys that can pass protect and you think about it. Okay. At the moment, you still have your multi-million dollar quarterback. Okay. You still have Aaron Rodgers. You have to protect. Uh, and we'll see how that plays out over a period of time, but more and more you talk to people in the NFL they're putting so much value now to center guard positions because you're seeing delayed blitzes with a safety, a linebacker, the defensive tackles I can find today. It's the edge guys I can't. And so, but he does have enough experience that if I needed him for a short stretch at tackle, he could play. And he's technically sound. I thought he made a great improvement a year ago in his pass blocking techniques and also physically getting stronger. I thought that was something that he needed to do. And, and you saw this offseason. What's uh, what's your take on Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss right now? What you saw in him from last year and, and what do you see in the direction of the program? And he scares the bejesus out of you if you got to play against him because that offense, you know, he's slinging it, you know, and if they can protect Matt. Uh, that's going to be the key. The other part is Matt's got to cut down on the turnovers. And he's got a little bit of, not a little bit, he's got a lot of gunslinger in it. You know, hey, listen, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to throw it downfield in that coverage part of the game. Uh, somebody's got to take Elijah's place, okay, in that slot. Uh, they do have certainly some people there that will contend for that. And you got some experience coming back at wide receiver. Um, you think back. I think two guys that will get a long look this year, one, Ben Brown, uh, who has started for you guys at guard and center. And, man, he's a big center, too. He's not a small guy. He's a big center. And so the NFL will come looking at that. And, uh, and Nick Broker, who, who would be draft eligible, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been got the genetics, man. You know, you got a long list of relatives that have played at Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Broker is a little different in that he's an Illinois kid. Highly recruited, comes in here, starts at left tackle, and man, they are gold in the NFL today to have a left tackle. So, uh, offensively, I think they'll be fine this year. The big question mark will be how much better on defense, and. Um, I remember having this conversation with Corey Raymond, the secondary coach at LSU. And he was like, you know, one of the things they like us a little bit in that giving up so many points in the fourth quarter. Cause you said, you know, a lot of times you have, you have a big lead and you give up points, but you know, when you look at how we play and how they play, you know, it comes down to the fourth quarter. You can't give up 113, 116 points in the fourth quarter throughout the season because you're going to get caught in that you win one game, you lose one game. You know, it's, it's going to be a 500 team. I, I think that's the key, uh, getting better pressure on the quarterback, coming up with more turnovers. But Lane has brought the spotlight to Ole Miss, uh, okay, because of his personality, because of the offense he runs, and his ability, 
he's not getting a lot of five-star recruits, but taking that three-star guy, elevating his talent, especially on offense. The question mark is how much, how long will he be at Ole Miss? I, I think that's when you talk to people outside the Ole Miss program, that thing is, is Ole Miss the way station for him for the next job that he'll take? Because I'm just telling you, a lot of eyes are on lane and it sells tickets. It gets exciting. And that is intriguing to other college ADs that, and he brings that name recognition. And he's got a little bit of flair, not a little bit. He got a lot of flair to him, uh, you know, uh, so to speak. And so it's an interesting program to watch in that they, uh, they're going to throw the football. They're going to be effective. They're going to score a lot of points. And they're going to keep you watching because of their ability to score. How much better can they be on defense? That's going to be the big key. Because I think, Parrish, the big difference I see, and I think seven on seven has changed the world in that I can get receivers and tight ends, also defensive backs today, much better than any other time. And I think quarterbacks are more advanced. Because not only are they playing 10, 11 games high school, they're playing that, that many games or more seven on seven. Yeah. Experienced. But it's about playing defense and front seven and how that has dramatically changed. And Pete Jenkins and I were talking about, my God, I hate to play linebacker today. Man, they tell me I got to play linebacker. I tell them, man, y'all get somebody else to play linebacker. And I get where he's coming from. With this RPO game, if you're a linebacker and that quarterback sticks that ball in the belly of a running back, your first instinct is get up the field and tackle him. Okay, he sticks it in there. That linebacker takes one, two steps. I pull that ball out. I throw it right over the top of him. So I fooled him. Okay, I play coverage. Okay, uh, now we in dime defense. Uh, I'm down to three linemen, a couple of linebackers. Man, I got a whole slew of defensive backs. It's third and five. So I'm going to throw it, you think. So I'm backed off the line of scrimmage, and I'm ready to put it in reverse. You know what they do? They flip it to the running back. So now I got a 220-pound running back going up against a 185-pound corner or 195-pound safety. Man, playing linebacker today, it ain't easy. And I, and I get exactly where Pete's going with this, where – they got you in the rocking chair and you're like a cat. You know, you got the, the tail underneath the, the rocker. You're just trying to get away. But it, it's really becoming more and more difficult. It's hard to find those edge guys. Defensive tackles, a lot of pressure on them now to get that push and to destroy that launch pad of a quarterback. Because what he wants to do, really, he wants to take that snap, step up in the pocket, make the throw. If I've got some guys that can get that penetration and that he can't do it, he's either got to take that false step and move left, move right, or move backwards, which he doesn't want to really do. You know, he wants to step up and make the throw. And so you got to find defensive tackles that can get that hard penetration inside, blow up the launch pad, and hope you can get enough edge pressure. And when the ball's there, defensive back got to catch it. I think that's the thing that is really important today and you see more and more of it 
uh, and it was always worked on, but now even more secondary people saying, Hey, I don't want the knockdown, get the interception. We, we got to get the turnover because the more times I turn that ball over to that offense, the better chance they got to put points on the board. And, uh, you know, with Matt, I look back at it, what he was a 71% completion guy last year, man, that's strong, but it was the turnovers. The turnovers caught him in a couple games. It caught him against LSU, you know, cause you know, LSU kind of blew the lead out and then Ole Miss makes the comeback. Uh, so again, Ole Miss will ride with their offense, but the determination of how good of a season they'll have will be on how much better their defense will be pressure turnovers. Folks, he's Mike Dettelier, college and football, college and pro football analyst, WWLAM 870 and the Mike Dettelier NFL Draft Report. Thanks for being with us, Mike. Folks, that will wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work online at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories flow. And we're on Facebook, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Lots of good things there. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.